Welcome to the Behavioral Groups Podcast. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. We usually interview interesting people in order to unlock insights into behavioral science and how we can apply them to work and life. But this is one of our grooving sessions. Yay! Yeah, where Kurt and I get to explore in depth a key concept or idea that intrigues us. This episode is brought to you by Behavior Alchemy and The Lantern Group, two companies that do great BS. That's behavioral science, right? Is there any other BS? <laughs> Isn't that the only kind? Okay, so today's episode is going to be fun because we're going to talk about our favorite behavioral science books and a couple of papers. Yeah, we'll, we'll start to talk about some classics, some standards, as well as then bring in some of our own favorite newer uh, books, as well as some that might be a little under the radar. Tim gets five books, I get five, I get five books, and... We just might list out some more at the end. So, Tim, let's start with the classics. Okay. Um, influence. I'm going to start with 1984, Influence by Robert Cialdini. Must, must read. Across the board, uh, again, impacting a number of other people around that are now doing this has changed kind of how we think about persuasion and influence. Fantastic. Okay. I am going to go with Predictably Irrational. Dan Ariely's book. Dan Ariely. And you have a certain way of, of telling people how to read this. How, what is it? My favorite way of reading this is start with chapter four, uh, The Cost of Social Norms. If you like, it's 29 pages in paperback. If you like those 29 pages, then read the rest of the book. But but start with chapter four. That, that's my recommendation. 29 pages in paperback? Is it? What's the hardcover count? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't oh my know. gosh, Tim, you're letting me down. All right, okay, your turn. Well, uh, okay, I'm going to go with uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by, oh, by Daniel Kahneman. Danny Kahneman. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, 2011 I, Nobel Prize winner in 2002. Big book, but oh my gosh, it is packed and just loaded with all of the yeah. behavioral economics and behavioral science wisdom that you could ever want. If you're a nerd, you've got to read it. it it's <laughs> it's fabulous. Okay, what what's your number four? All right, so I'm going to go with another, uh, you know, uh, Nobel Prize winner here and Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein and Nudge. Again, a classic that mm. uh, is just out there that really, I think, embodies a lot of, I think, what gets people excited about behavioral science and bringing in concepts that are easy to 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 go yeah you know what i see that too and when now there's some actual science behind it so. yeah yeah okay so influence nudge predictably irrational thinking fast and slow those are the four classics that we're recommending that pretty much everybody who's interested in behavioral sciences had if you haven't read those read them right but Kurt, what's your number one recommended pick beyond the classics? Well, I don't know if I can if I can put these in an order, so I'm just listing these. And it was hard enough to pick five uh, out of the. I mean, people should be looking at the behavioral grooves uh, room here that we're doing this. So it's covered. Our table is covered with all these books, and we're going back and forth on them. However, I will say, driven by Paul Lawrence and Nuria. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, this started, uh, if you can read this, uh, there's a 2008 Harvard Business Review article uh, by Nora, by Noria, Grainsburg, and Lee that was my intro into, into this book. Uh, but this is the book that outlines the four-drive model, which, again, um, in my work, 
in my viewpoint has changed how I think about motivation, how I bring motivation in and talk to people about employee motivation in particular. A very holistic look across the board brings in some evolutionary psychology in order to understand why we're doing these different things. has the holistic and actionable component uh, that I think is just fantastic. You've based a lot of your practice on, on I mean, your your uh, your consulting practice is is largely based on the four drive model, or much of your work is. Yeah, a lot of it. And I will, uh, you know, it at the point when I read that two thousand and eight article, I had two full time employees. I said we are actually going to change how we do business. It was that that readily apparent. I bought them the book. Uh, so we all read the book. We did a book report on it. We did monthly, actually weekly, weekly kind of deep, deep dives into the different chapters. We took it apart. We structured it. We then went in and, and said, where are the things that are missing from it? What are the other things that we can do? Fantastic. Um, but yeah, we've, we've based a lot of the consulting work that we do. And I think it's it, it works. It is really, I think that's part of why I like it. Because within organizations, the four drive model, which is what they talk about, is really helpful in defining how you can impact employee motivation. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very powerful model. We got a lot of books to go through. So, Tim, your choice number one out of a uh, multitude. Out of, yeah, out of the multitude. This was really hard. I'm going to start with George Lowenstein's Exotic Preferences. Um, it was uh, It's a compilation that George put together in 2007 of not certainly not all of his work. Um, George is one of the high, most highly published uh, researchers uh, in almost any field, right. uh, but certainly in the behavioral sciences, he's, he's way up there in terms of published pieces but but exotic preferences is a great uh it's 700 pages so you know it's not and it's not the kind of thing you just sit down and page through because what he, what he did though was it's it speaks to variety and depth of study not just in george's interest but in all of the behavioral sciences so he covers a wide variety of, of content it's organized really really well so he edited it just beautifully so that all of these papers uh, are, are organized in, in um, appropriate categories that are easy to work through. And if you have a particular interest in something or you're researching something, you can go to that particular chapter and look at the papers uh, and, the, and the articles that he's written around that. And I think that that's really terrific. And um, one of my favorite parts is that um, sort of like when, when we say that the questions that you ask are really revealing about who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that George curated this is very revealing about the tremendous diversity of, of curiosities that he has. And, and I think that that is inspiring to me and really to, I think it should be inspiring to all of us uh, when it comes to um, what should we study or what's of interest to us. George lays out a case basically with this book that there's a wide variety of things that we can study with behavioral sciences and apply. Well, things. I am now having to put that onto my must-read list. I have Definitely. not read that. I've read many of George's papers, but I have not actually um, read that. I do have his behavioral science and 
marketing or some yeah. textbook that's upstairs that I read through all the time. So I'm excited to read this. Good, good. Okay, what's what's next on your list? All right. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fall back into a brand new one. As I mentioned to people, we just had her on the podcast, but it is my favorite new book of 2018, which is Annie Duke Thinking in Bats. For good reason. It's a good read. It is a really good read. Hey, she I mean the writing is really accessible. Uh, she tells some fantastic stories that bring these principles to light. But I think more importantly, and we've we've actually started doing this, is there are some really actionable pieces within the book in how you can improve your decision making, thinking in probabilities, right? Taking that thought of it's not black and white, not 100% or 0%, but there's some probable component that in almost all of our lives that's there and so if you start thinking that way it, it, it makes your decision making that much better well we're we're doing it like 72% of the time i i'm doing it 83% <laughs> of the time but but i mean it, just in in that simple manner it's changed how we've actually communicated the other piece and i've talked about this and and to good effect by the way to very good effect yeah. the other piece i think uh, that she brings up is this concept called resulting Right. And, and mm-hmm. basing the quality of your decision making process on the results that you have instead of actually looking at the components that went into the decision making. And, and there's a component of luck, again, that most of us have within our stuff. And so having that, the learning groups components, you know, the, the great stories, I, it, it is a fantastic book. People go out, buy it, read it. Now. Uh, now. There you go. All right. Number two for you. Number two for me is Sheena Iyengar's The Art of Choosing. All right. Uh, first of all, I, I, I was a big fan of the, the jelly jar study, the jam study. Mm. So Sheena uh, was, was uh, when she was at Stanford, uh, did the study on you know whether uh, how attractive six jam jars versus 24 jam jars would be. And then, and then more importantly, what do we do with that? Which, which display sells more jam, the, the six jar or the 24 jar. Right. And um, I'm just going to let that hang out there and let people go and read the book because it's so good. And she's a good writer uh, and she's got great, um, great research to back it up. And some of the things that I found fascinating about, about her decision-making were the personal stories about um, her parents growing up in India and having, uh, having the, um, the uh, arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's blind. And so uh, when it comes to deciding what she wears, it's a very, deciding what she wears is a very important decision to make. She's not able to make that decision. So, wow. yeah, so it's, it's fascinating from a personal perspective. Um, she really talks about how decisions are influenced by our environment, by framing, by priming, oh. how much we get primed, all sorts of things that are beyond our conscious decision making. And, um, and I think that this, this book would be really good for people who feel like they always need to have a lot of options. It mm. really got me thinking about how many options do I really need to make a good decision? The art of choosing. Great. Good. Okay, next on your list. All right, so I I had to choose because um, I wanted to do something on willpower. So I chose The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. 
Um, but I could have just as easily, maybe not quite as easily, um, picked Willpower by Roy Baumeister and John Hey, Tini. hey, wait, wait, you can't have two picks. I you, didn't. I picked one. <laughs> Do you see how I no, did that? No. You see, I picked the Willpower no, instinct. No, you are totally sneaking how in. How self-control works, why it matters, and what you can do to get more of it. You were totally sneaking in a second pick. <laughs> I did not. I, anyway, I liked this book. Uh, again, this is one of those books that goes back into how it impacted me in my life. And so uh, there was this period where I started reading these books about willpower and and, and how willpower, uh, again, is like that muscle and you can train it um, or if you don't use it, it, it goes away and how you can get tired and various different things. Now, again, there's some replication on some of these studies that is coming into play, but I still, th- I still think that it's a really interesting way of thinking about how we change. And we can't change most of the time willpower in and of itself. And that's what they're talking about. Um, or at least that's the insights that I got from, from this book and maybe that other book that, that I mentioned as well. And, and what we can do about how do, you, how do you actually tap into willpower? What are some of those things that decrease your willpower? And what are those factors from an environment or a contextual perspective that enable willpower to, to actually succeed. And so all of those things around it, again, great. She's a professor, I think, in, at, uh, in LA. I can't remember which school it is, but she had, ran a class on this. And the stories from her class are, are fantastic, which, again, makes it a really good read. Pretty easy to get through. So uh, I recommend The Willpower Instinct. Okay, excellent. Yours. Jonah Lehrer's how we decide we're going there right now huh? i want to i really want to i i really uh, let, let's just set aside the um the you know the uh plagiarism issues and the controversy let's just set that aside well, for just a second okay we're coming back to it. i promise we'll come back to it All but right. but the book is really well researched jonah lehrer is a tremendous writer he's a he is a journalist first he is but he is uh, a guy who has been very curious about um, about uh, brain science, neuroscience, and behavioral sciences. So it, it he doesn't come to it lightly. And uh, I'm I'm looking for I'm sorry I'm looking for a copy. Okay, here. Thank you. So, uh, and I uh, it he he introduced me to Antonio Antonio Damasio, which which led me to Descartes' error from uh, 1997. So which which that is if if that book did that, it's a good gateway to to better learning. I will okay. So it's now it's a gateway drug to behavioral science. To behavioral is that science. what you're saying? Yes. And, okay. So now in the controversy. So he he was uh, found out. Jonah was was discovered. If you, if you don't know this story, it was he was discovered to have plagiarized in one of his books. Uh, imagine. Well, and and make up, not just plagiarize. He he, he made up stories he and examples. Stories. And the famous one is uh, this whole reason why Bob Dylan uh, went on and and wrote or continued to write and yeah. various different things, which uh, is really sad. It is really sad, and it's wrong. It's not just sad. It's it's wrong. If you're writing, that's a that's not just a bad thing to do. It's horrible. You don't plagiarize. You don't make stuff up if it's not supposed to be a fiction that's piece, right a piece of fiction but i will say this about how we decide is i'm familiar with many maybe not all i'm not going to make that claim but with many of the research pieces that he 
referenced in the book, um, in the years following it, I spent a lot of time with that research and found his reporting on it and his his narrative around those uh, research papers to be accurate. Yeah. So I don't have any reason to believe that that this book, how we decide, is is uh, fallacious in any way. Yeah. I understand that it is, uh, you know, uh, it's correct. I'm I'm not a big fan of Jonah as a guy who made stuff up. That's just wrong. Um, but I believe that this book is is well presented and um, and it and it's really a good read. It is. He is a really good writer, which is the sad thing from my perspective because he was able to take these behavioral science concepts from a scientific research study component and bring them into a format and a and a and a book that is easily accessible not only to people who like us who like it but i think just the general lay reader and and really expand this community all right he did that okay next on your list kurt all right so i'm gonna go with another light read it's called change anything um it's by uh patterson Grenny, maxfield mcmillan and switzer it's the people uh who who wrote uh crucial conversations and various different things um but again this is one of those books that greatly influenced me in my work and thinking about how do we change as an individual what are those components that go into making up if if we wanted to change something about ourselves and again they talk about the willpower trap going back into willpower and that we often think well if i just have enough willpower i'm able to change and they're looking at this and saying no there are some environmental components there are some incentives that need to happen there are things about the social arena within which you work uh and it's really powerful and it's a well-written book and there's some really cool videos that go along with it that they, they show oh. these kids um you know in uh they, they videotape kids in a in a situation where they're earning money and how they then spend that money and they set up two different you know experiments it's definitely not research publishable quality but oh my gosh it is really fun to watch that you can that's very cool yeah you've been sitting on that one we i don't think we've ever talked about that there you go yeah i totally dig that all right that's good all right you um the invisible gorilla (sighs) by chris shabras and dan simons another great video (laughs) if you haven't seen the video you gotta you gotta check out the the video uh but that book came out in 2010 long after Chris and Dan started their work on uh, inattentive blindness and uh, perceptual blindness, which is fascinating for me because um, it's, it, it tracks the sort of the, both the neuroscience and the psychological aspects of how things that flow into our eyes are not necessarily things that our brains process. And I find that uh, sort of selective vision or possibly motivated vision to be particularly interesting because it impacts our decision making. Mm. Uh, one, one of their one of their great studies was was that of the um, the bicyclists that got hit by cars, and so they interviewed both both the bicyclist and the driver of the car. And in forty seven percent of the of the these accidents, the driver said, oh my gosh, I, I didn't see them until they were right on the on the hood. You know, I mean, they just appeared out of nowhere. And yet almost all of those situations, the bicycle rider said, I made eye contact with the driver. Like, I w- like we were in tune. Like, I got the okay that I'm okay crossing because I s- we actually locked eyes. 
And so there's things that, that we don't see and we don't acknowledge that I, I find just fascinating. And um, Dan Simon especially, but, but of course uh, Chris as well, but their work is just tremendous. So yeah. I strongly recommend if you're interested in uh, decision-making from the perspective of things that we're aware of and things that we're not aware of. I think that's a, it's, it's a great book wonderful video um, that kind of highlights this in a really aha way for many people and so various different things. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so my last of my five books is is more of a more of a I don't know academic book. It is Work Motivation, History, Theory, Research and Practice by Gary Latham. He's a tremendous researcher. Tremendous researcher. And again uh, looking at the work that we do, which is around work motivation, really gets into some of the clinical and theoretical background. And again, Latham did a lot of work on goal setting. With Ed Locke. With Ed yeah. Locke. And goal Ed, setting theory came about goal because Goal setting theory was, was, was his, by... his work. And so yeah. he goes back from, you know, going back to 1975 through 2000, outlining all this different work, various different things, talking about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, you know, bringing those out and really looking at the research well before, I think, you know, behavioral economics or behavioral science was around uh, in, in the manner that it is today, but is that ground you know, kind of the foundation for really a lot is. of the work that, that we do and a lot of the interest that I think is really fascinating to me about why we do the things that we do. Well, and uh, so much of Gary Latham's work has been replicated, mm. you know, so it's it's really, it's good science and yes. really good research. Uh, and so when it comes to especially goal setting and motivation, his work is just tremendous. Yeah, I highly recommend it. All right. Going to my last, yours. my last book, my my number five is uh, Francesca Gino's Sidetracked. Okay, uh, it was her uh, first uh, kind of big book, 2013, where she focused on preference reversal, which is how our preferences really aren't as universal as we th think we are. Like they're labile, right? They change right. from environment to environment, and and uh, this book does a great. A great uh, Francesca did a great job of explaining how this preference reversal plays out in our in our lives, and she goes so far, of course, because she's a now a Harvard professor. I think we first met when she was at Chapel Hill, but but this is she speaks to how we can correct for the decisions that aren't necessarily in our best self interest, and I think that that's an important part of it is that she's very practical about how to actually you know do something with this stuff. So sidetrack. Sidetracked by Francesca Gino. All right. So those are, those are the five that we had to curate out of this plethora of different books that we have. But I think we should have honorable mentions. Oh, because we've got so many, man. <laughs> we've got so many. Well, and, and we talked about this. So, you know, any of the books by Gladwell, um, Malcolm Gladwell or Daniel Pink. And again, yep. we have our issues. I, I have some issues, particularly I, with I some of, of Daniel Pink uh, in, in Drive and some of the the way that he he took it. And again, these are writers, right? They're journalists. They're journalists yeah. who are taking, I mean, Pink was the speechwriter for Clinton, Malcolm Gladwell, New York Times, you know, uh, journalist. But they're really good writers. They're very bright men, too. They're and they're very bright. And they take this scientific information and translate it and tell stories about it that get it out into the general public. And I think there's value in that. 
the the value for people who are interested in behavioral science beyond that cursory component though or the caution is looking beyond their findings and the way that they're putting take the research that they have that's really important and they'll go in and and look into that you know yeah, my, my, my concern, and I agree. First of all, let me start with the agreement because uh, Gladwell and Pink are excellent writers uh, and they've done really good work in, in compiling the information that they've written about in, um, you know, uh, Blink, Tipping Point, uh, Outliers, uh, Drive, Dan Pink's uh, right. work. These are well-written books. My concern is that they, they parse this uh, content together as, it, as if it's a be-all, end-all. And I think as, as, as researchers, um, as, as people uh, concerned about behavioral sciences, they're, they're picking off very, very slim um, parts. This is the uh, Occam's razor, you know, that they're, <laughs> they're, they're kind of making a very thin pass in order to prove a big point, which, and it's not that that point isn't valid. They're, the things that they say are, are well-researched and correct. However, there are large bodies of evidence um, that are, in some cases are contrary. Right. And they don't go into that. And they so don't. It's, no. It is almost a motivated reasoning of the research that they select to support this concept that they have. And, and I think and it's granted, because they're, they're journalists. They're journalists. And I don't think they necessarily go into it thinking that way. No. I think they go in, they, they're, they're looking at a body of research, they have a question in their head, and they're finding things, and then they just focus in on it. And again, they're, they're not researchers. So that's it, all all and well, uh, but I think they're really good. Yeah. Other honorable mentions. Uh, the, the Righteous Mind. No, we've talked about that oh, in many gosh. of our recent podcasts. You know, it John, comes up over and over. It does. Jonathan Haidt's work uh, from 2012 is just just excellent and right. read it that's that's all i can say what 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 else comes on the you know list? i i you know the power of habit by charles duhigg again yeah. he's a he's a journalist and he he takes this information on habits and research but again well written very actionable yeah just a, a good book in getting to understand how habits actually take a big portion of our life that we don't really even think about. How about a great read that is not written by a journalist, but written by a, a Harvard professor, and that is Dan Gilbert's Stumbling on Happiness. Very happy book. <laughs> I loved it. I, I love it. No, it's a I great book. And, and, you know, another look at it, watch his TED Talk, because he has yes. a, a number of TED Talks that are really good, short kind of synopsis of the book i also would recommend the happiness advantage by sean aker yeah um another harvard uh, uh alum i don't know if he's teaching there now I'm or not, not. Sure if he is either. Uh, but again bringing that concept of you know we always strive to to achieve happiness and we think success or getting that new car or whatever it will will lead us to happiness and his concept and i think kind of proving it to a certain degree or at least as much as you can prove with a you know scientific research is saying you should happiness actually precedes success and so uh which is a really interesting concept it really is uh there's a not so well-known book, at least in, in the circles that, that I've talked about this with, uh, by a Swiss uh, researcher and journalist named Rolf Dobelli. Dobelli. Dobelli, yeah, Rolf Dobelli. And the, and the book is called The Art of Thinking Clearly. And it is 99 uh, anecdotes uh, and, and research points around behavioral science that are just brilliant. It's yeah. so beautifully packaged and and uh, and research-wise, scientifically accurate, 
strong strong recommendation fantastic i i would uh bring in sway by ori and ram brofman yeah the brofman brothers you know and it's really interesting it came out almost the same time as nudge did has similar kind of insights but didn't get kind of i think the the popular press that that nudge did no um but again easy read good read good qualitative or good quantitative research in it all of that kind of stuff definitely um priceless by william poundstone especially especially if you work in a retail world highly recommended for understanding uh the framing and anchoring that uh, the prices have on us um not i mean it's it's mostly intuitive but it's really good research and, it, and it's really, really well written and then i know one of our favorites Brain Rules by John oh, Medina. That's a great one. Good one. I think there's a couple others. Go really quick. Freakonomics, uh, Levitt and Dubnar. Again, sometimes question some of their, their taking their findings and different things of that. But again, really good just to say, hey, things aren't always as they seem. Um, Discart's Error, Antonio Damasio that you talked about. I'm bringing in the brain yeah. science and some of those studies with some of his patients about uh, memory and motivation are just fantastic. And again, highlight, you know, for those people, he, he's talking with people who are sick or have some brain damage, but the insights that that has on us is really impactful and it brings it around really, really neat. Um, Cialdini's new book, uh, Presuasion. Presuasion. Yep. Yep, Priming, all of those factors, yep. really good. And, and we were going to mention paper. I want to mention one paper okay. here uh, that was uh, that was influential, deeply influential in my own work. Uh, and it was called The Labor Supply of New York City Cab Drivers, One Day at a Time. And that was a compilation of George Lowenstein, Richard Thaler, Colin Kammer, and, and Linda Babcock. It's a great study. It's a great study that combines labor economics with motivation. Uh, it's really, it's a beautifully written paper, but it's a big surprise on motivation and money. Yeah. So uh, highly recommended. Very cool. Just going to list out a couple more because I know uh, we're running late here. So Play to Win, Larry Wilson and Hirsch Wilson uh, of Wilson Learning and Pecos River. Again, I would classify these guys as accidental behavioral scientists. They don't bring science and research in, but the insights that they have and the way they talk about it, really actionable, great information just because I think they're really good observers of human uh, behavior. These guys are very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Change or Die by Alan Deutschman, uh, again, started off with an article in Fast Company about, you know, why people who've had major heart component don't, you know, after two years, basically 11% of them are following their doctor's orders. Uh, And it's not a matter of if you're going to die. It's just a matter of when you're going to die if you don't change. So, again, can't be more motivated than that for most people, but... You know, Flow by Mahali Chinson Mahali. I can never pronounce his last name. Great, great book. And Appreciative Inquiry. Uh, any of the work by David Cooper Ryder on that. Again, early work from the 80s and 90s that talks about uh, 
how we frame things and how we frame things from an organizational perspective, but also how we frame things in our mind and how that influences the results that we get from it. And we didn't even get to Carol Dweck's mindset oh or uh, Angela Duckworth's uh, grit. grit. Yeah, or, I mean, there's or self-efficacy by Bandura or there's a lot more. But this is going to end our grooving session on books for the time being. And uh, we just want to say, uh, go out and give us a good review. Please. Uh, if, if you if you have a, have a chance to give us a good review, we would certainly appreciate that. And um, in the meantime, keep on grooving. Keep on grooving. <laughs> <laughs>